And one of them is content moderation. Could you define that for me? Is it anything more than a euphemism for censorship? If somebody in 1917 was prosecuted and thrown in jail for opposing U.S. participation in World War I, was that content moderation? Mr. Clement said the difference is that if the government does it, it is censoring. If a private party does it, it is, uh, I forget, content moderation. These euphemisms bypass me sometimes, but uh, or elude me. Um, the, do you agree with that distinction? Yes. I mean, the, the critical difference is that, as Justice Kavanaugh observed, the government's bound by the First Amendment. And so if it were to, for example, dictate what kind of speech has to appear and in what order, you know, that, that could create a First Amendment violation. But here, it's the private platforms themselves that are making that expressive choice. And, and our recognition here is that they're creating their expressive, their own expressive product in doing so. Yeah, this is, I'm just telling you that uh, the, the Supreme Court gets the hard questions. Right. I, I know it's very easy, and I have been guilty of this myself in the past, of thinking that, you know, well, that's stupid Supreme Court. You know, well, the reason the Supreme Court gets a case is because nobody else has been able to figure it out. Not definitively. And also, most of the Supreme Court cases get adjudicated 9-0. to zero, Most of them. Which means that it actually is clear, but it takes the best legal minds in the country. And, I mean... There's some arguments we made that maybe they're not necessarily always the best legal minds, but they're very, very, very capable legal minds, okay? Uh, but they all see it the same way. The most, most opinions are that way. Then the controversial ones, that, you know, the ones that are sort of politically difficult sometimes give different results. But um, in this case, this is a complicated question. And I've tried all day to kind of explain it to you in as simple terms as I think I can, having listened to the full oral arguments once and also kind of re-listened to a lot of it through, you know, cutting the clips out and then thinking about it and reading stories about it and just kind of getting my, my, my brain wrapped around it. The basic question here is whether censorship is something that can be engaged in by a private company in such a way that a government like the state of Florida can restrict that censorship by a private entity or what, as you say, the euphemism there that uh, Justice Thomas mentioned as, you know, content moderation. Because content moderation is most definitely a form of censorship. The question is, can it be censorship when it's done by a private company? And the problem, the basic problem, as I kind of alluded to before the end of the hour, is we all come onto social media thinking we have the right to speak our minds, which is an expectation they have cultivated. That's their whole brand is come here and share your stuff. Be your own publisher. Be your own TV station. Be your own uh, radio station, your own newspaper, your own magazine, your own blogger. You can do all of that right here, and we won't stop you. And then all of a sudden they start stopping people, and not just for the excessive things, right? Not just for posting disgusting, illegal, or vulgar adult content. I mean, that's really not a hard case, okay? The hard case is when they start telling people who challenge COVID regulations that they can't be on Either that that post can't stay or that that post needs explanation or that that person gets banned, which happens a lot, right? Or that you get deprioritized or what they call shadow banning where, yeah, you're allowed to have the post, but nobody's going to see it unless they go directly to your feed. You know, they go to your page, they can see it, but if they're looking through their own news feed, it's not going to show up there. That's a form of de-emphasizing or censorship by them. 
And does the government have uh, an, an ability to kind of protect you in that expectation? And it's a very complicated matter. And one of the complexities here is, are they engaging in speech by what they do as a company? If so, then the government has less ability to tell them what to do. Because you would want, like imagine that, you know, let's say I wanted to start, um, you know, Christian conservative social media platform. And I told you up front that, and I would never do this, but okay, just imagine. I told you up front that, okay, here's the deal. Um, this is a Christian conservative place, and uh, you're not going to be allowed to advocate for Judaism here. You're not going to be allowed to advocate for atheism here. You're not going to be allowed to advocate for Islam here. And you're not going to be allowed to advocate for liberalism here or, you know, argue that the Bible has flaws or that God is a female or any of that. You, you're not, you're not going to get to do that here. Well, if I told you that up front— you, you would want me to be able to create a platform like that. You might not like me creating it, but you want me to be able to, right? That's freedom of speech on my part. I'm creating a business where I'm saying these viewpoints, we're going to not, you know, I'm running a newspaper online. You don't get to say this stuff. That's a bad business model, but it would be my right as an American. Well, what they're saying is, okay, we know for all of our existence, we've been, everybody's welcome. Everybody can say, everybody can share and share alike. But now that the government, but now we've decided to actually restrict some people, and the government is saying you can't restrict journalists and you can't restrict politicians and you have to give them equal access and you have to promote their stuff equally with somebody else. And you're saying, "What are you talking about? This is my platform. I can do what I want with it." Well, that's not the way you branded it all this time, and you have this Section 230 protection that's giving you immunity from legal liability for the things that you didn't create but that show up on your private servers because that's a private company. This is where it gets complicated. There's a lot of details in all of this. And we'll come back to this in a second. Uh, go ahead, Jake. You had a thought? Uh, yeah. Is it is it just me or is it like the, the, the technology of this is making it complicated because it's not just you can post something and people can see it, yes or no. It's there's a feed involved. Absolutely. There's an algorithm that places things in certain viewing areas. That's where it gets complicated. That's exactly right. right. Yeah. Th think of think of Twitter as a giant newspaper. Right. A billions of pages newspaper. But and, and so you you know let's say you're allowed to have your your tweet, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, but it's going to be on page five thousand eight hundred twenty three. <laughs> right. Every time, even though even though you have a million followers. It's still going to be on page 5,283. Right. And what the government is saying, what Florida is saying is, look, this dude with a million followers, his post should be on page one or at least within the first five pages. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, it's our newspaper. We can arrange it the way we want to. That's speech. That's editorial manipulation. We are entitled to that. Therefore, you can't tell us what to do. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Let's go, yeah. let's go to you for a quick All right, traffic. So I-10 and I-110 are posted speeds, not seeing any uh, major accidents on Highway 98 through Gulf Breeze and Navarre. Highway 90 is flowing smoothly. Gulf Beach Highway not showing any delays. And Burgess and Oliver looking good. If you see anything out there slowing you down this morning, let me know on our traffic tip line, 437-1620. I'm Jake Walker with your traffic on the fives. Thanks so much, Jake. So back to this conversation. Now, it, um, it turned a little bit in the conversation on Monday to a very familiar flavor. Because, again, th there's the legal questions here, and they're very interesting, and they're very complicated. And what often happens with Supreme Court cases is the way you feel about a topic or what you think is right is distanced from the sometimes very technical legal questions that the Supreme Court and the attorneys have to deal with. And that's why sometimes it can seem like the Supreme Court's off their rocker because they're just not addressing the question that you want them to address. 
And in this case, this is such a visceral thing because if you've ever, you know, you know, if I post something on my Facebook page, it's pretty normal for me to get, I know, maybe in the vicinity of 50 reactions to it. Okay. And uh, that's just, I mean, that's kind of a normal thing. And sometimes a lot more, sometimes less. And then I'll post something. I'm like, I think that's really good. And like two people like it. And I feel like, well, is it, <laughs> well, that's more the other platform, right? Um, <laughs> it, is it the content or are they stifling me? And the feeling that you don't know is infuriating. And that's the problem here is because people have come to expect to be able to express themselves. And then when they get deplatformed or when they get shadow banned or when they feel like that might be happening and they see that happening to other people, it's, it's maddening. And as an American, we've come to think that that's our right under the Constitution. Well, maybe not so much when it comes to private entities, but that's the question. So, again, um, Justice Kavanaugh asked this question that I think is kind of on everybody's mind. Well, it seems Orwellian for these massive tech companies to be able to tell us what we can and cannot hear from what other people can and cannot say. He asks a good, thought-provoking, important question and used the term Orwellian. Um, when I think of Orwellian, I think of the state, uh, not the private sector, not private individuals. Um, maybe people have different conceptions of Orwellian, but um, the state taking over media, like in some other countries. Uh, and in Tornillo, we made clear, the court made clear that we don't want to be that, that country. Uh, that we have a different model here and have since the beginning. And we don't want the state uh, interfering with these private choices. But what happens when the companies are bigger than the state? You know, what happens when their power to influence thought and shape democracy is more powerful than the state? The whole purpose of the First Amendment was to protect democracy from government interference, to protect speech and religion and assembly from government manipulation. What happens when a non-government actor, these social media companies, have become so powerful that they become the threat to democracy and freedom of speech and assembly and religion and everything else. That's the question that we're dealing with. The particular word that you use matters only to the extent that some may want to resist the Orwellian uh, temptation to uh, recategorize offensive conduct in uh, seemingly bland terms. But anyway, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the euphemism concept. Now, um, uh, oh, I forget her first name now. Uh, Prelogger is the uh, she's the Solicitor General for the United States, and um, she was addressing this very question of well, when governments do it versus when uh, private agents do it, and what is Orwellian? This kind of came up again and again in the conversation, you know, because of course George Orwell, 1984, Animal Farm, other great works. I want to be very clear that we are not suggesting that governments are powerless to respond to some of the concerns that Justice Alito mentioned. You know, I think one natural place to go as a government is to disclosure, to ensuring that if you think that platforms have Orwellian policies, you at least make sure users have information about how they're acting, what their policies are, the kind of generalized disclosure requirements here that were not invalidated by the lower courts and aren't before this court. Yeah, I mean, if... If you knew in advance what the rules were and you felt like when something was, you know, manipulated against you, you could at least know, that would solve a lot of this issue. Wouldn't solve all of it, but it would solve a lot of this issue. Elizabeth Prelogger, by the way. Um, but here's the basic essence of it. And I thought she did a pretty good job summarizing the question. 
Here, the interest that Florida has asserted in affecting these content moderation choices is to change the speech on the platforms. It doesn't like the way that the platforms are moderating content, and it wants them to create a new expressive product that reflects the state's judgments about what should go on the website, whether that's candidate speech or speech by journalistic entities or otherwise. And that is just not an interest that's unrelated to the suppression of expression. So we think the court should apply intermediate scrutiny here and find that the state can't get out of the starting gate with that interest. So again, I've tried all day to, you know, and if you want to go back and listen to the podcast, we talk about this at the seven, five o'clock hour, six o'clock hour. We've been talking about this quite a bit today because I think this is really important stuff. I mean, it really is at the essence of what we think of as our free speech rights, what we think of as private property rights and the influence of social media, which is this giant bear of a topic right now. But here's the thing. Um, I think there are basically three things that happen on social media and all three of them are a little bit distinct. Uh, one of the parts of the Florida law is that you can't deplatform, for example, politicians and journalists. So being able to have an account at all is a kind of right you think of. I think the state is in pretty good shape saying you can't ban people from the platform, just like you couldn't ban black people from your bar or women from your bar or Christians from your bar. You know, same right of access, okay? Uh, the particular post, like the content in a particular post, taking it down because it's uh, misleading or it's a lie or you don't like the slant of the politics or because it's mean or offensive or doesn't use the appropriate pronouns for somebody. I mean, all potentials, right? I think the state is also in pretty good territory protecting that and saying that you cannot take down posts unless they clearly violate your um, you know, policies of content, which generally speaking are very loose as long as you're not doing something that's almost illegal, basically. The third one is going to be the feed, is going to be the algorithm, is going to be the prioritizing of the content and giving it to other people to see, which now affects my right to see as opposed to your right to say. Okay? And on that one, if the state is going to lose, if the Supreme Court is going to strike down, it's going to strike down that part of it. Because what they're going to say is when it comes to the news feed, they're acting more like a newspaper and they have First Amendment rights. When it comes to your posts and your account, they're acting more like a common carrier like you know the phone company and they don't have the ability to censor. But here's the trick of that. The more they act like a newspaper, the more they act like an editor controlling content, even if it's minimal, it's still shaping content and that protects them from government interference, the less protection they get for accountability under Section 230. That came up clearly yesterday that to the degree that they want to claim authorship and expressive content in how they manage their companies, they're going to lose the ability to say, well, we didn't make that post. So they're going to suffer legal liability and not have Section 230 immunity privilege. So anyway, that's kind of the, I mean, it's a big, hairy topic. It's kind of difficult to put it all in one package, but that's kind of the idea. Um, Are we more trying to prevent discrimination, like requiring a business to serve everybody, or are we infringing on speech by forcing them to treat obnoxious people and uh, obnoxious ideas equally? That's going to be the question, and I think it's particularly going to focus in on the um, content moderation or the feed and the algorithm and that kind of stuff. 725 here on News Radio 92.3. So I expect a not necessarily a split decision, but I expect a decision that's going to be pretty nuanced in terms of what targets of the platform's activities they're going to say Florida can and cannot regulate. Uh, Jake's got traffic on the fives. Jake? All right, this traffic report is brought to you by ECUA. Not really seeing much out there on the roadways. No major accidents reported by FHP. Looking on the Google Maps here, uh, we're seeing our normal morning slowdown in both directions getting through Gulf Breeze proper on Highway 98. But if you're on Highway 90 coming out of Milton through Pace this morning, not seeing anything slowing you down. 
Uh, looks like Chase Street, Gregory Street, Garden Street, Palafox, all checking in clear. No delays on Burgess or Olive. And uh, looks like uh, no slowdowns on Cervantes either. And Avalon Boulevard is clear through to Garson Point Bridge. If you do see anything out there slowing you down, call or text our traffic tip line, 437-1620. I'm Jake Walker and telling you about ECUA Bulk Waste. It's now available. Call for pickup. Just call by 2 p.m. the day before your service day. Learn more at ecua.fl.gov. Back to you, Andrew. Thanks so much. Is now a good time to buy a house? Is now a good time to sell a house? Is now a good time to sell a house at uh, $400,000 in Gulf Breeze versus at $500,000 in Cantonment versus, well, these are good questions. You know, what's going to happen when the military changes station? What's going to happen if the Fed changes interest rates? What's going to happen uh, if the war in Ukraine simmers down or heats up or China or what? These are all things that could potentially affect any of this stuff. And... I have some speculation about these things, but the person you really want to talk to is Christina Leavenworth. She's an expert in these matters. She sold 175 homes last year. That's pretty good. You know, that's three a week. That's pretty good. Selling homes. Three a week. You know, that's a lot. So talk to her and ask her. Even if you're just in the, I'm not sure what I want to do phase. That's why you call, because she loves to meet people and talk real estate. She's very, very easy to talk to. She's very friendly, and she's super informed. And she'll answer your questions and help you ask better ones, too. 723-9158 for Christina Leavenworth and her team at Leavenrinke Realty. Here's today's Strength for Life with your host, Pastor James C. Johnson. How do you handle stress, worry, or anxiety? If we're not careful, those times of anxiety can rip us apart from the inside. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us how to deal with worry. And he doesn't say just forget about it or that it'll go away by itself, nor does he say that we should run from it. Instead, Jesus tells us to take it one day at a time. He points out the nonsense of worrying about things we cannot control. Jesus reminds us that God cares for the birds of the air, and he says to you that you are more important to him than many sparrows. God calls us to throw the whole weight of our anxieties on him and allow his spirit to fill our hearts with perfect peace as he handles the many things that are out of our control. I encourage you, rest in Jesus today. That was James C. Johnson. He serves as the pastor of North Stone Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. For more Strength for Life, please visit our website, strengthforlife.church. The cooler weather in Pensacola is a great time of the year for gardening, whether it's planting roses, planting shrubs and trees and cool weather color, and of course, planning for spring. This is Mike Wiggins. If you've got gardening questions, we've got answers on the News Radio Garden Line every Tuesday morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. And if you miss us on Tuesdays, then catch the Encore Edition every Saturday morning at 9. Sponsored by Pensacola Hardware, Blue Sky Landscaping, and Barnes Feed Store. Local experts share their expertise on the Pensacola Expert Panel. It's Pep Talk on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. It's a trap. Round, round, get around. I get around. Yeah, get around. around Always listen to the ad. 729 here on News Radio 92.3. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David. A bill that would protect access to in vitro fertilization being blocked in the Senate. Democrat Tammy Duckworth of Illinois tried to pass a bill by unanimous consent yesterday, but it was opposed by uh, Republican Cindy Smith of Mississippi. She said it would legalize human cloning and designer babies. And the Biden administration now reportedly considering a plan to airdrop aid into Gaza. That's the airdrop from a plane, not from your iPhone, right? Right. Okay, just making sure. Uh, thanks so much, David. Oh, I have tickets for you. See, this is why you got to pay attention. 
I have a pair of tickets to the um, Sunbelt Conference Women's Basketball Tournament Round 1, Session 1. First caller wins them right now. Shoot the free throw. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. Supreme Court will arguments April 22nd over whether former President Trump is immune from prosecution in a federal election interference case. The immunity question has kept proceedings on hold since December. The court has yet to rule meantime on whether Trump can be kept off ballots. A state judge in Illinois says he's ineligible to run. Illinois joins Colorado and Maine where officials have argued he should be booted from the ballot, citing the same reason that he engaged in an insurrection trying to hold on to power after the 2020 election. Fox's Rich Edson, Trump and President Biden will both be at the southern border today. In Texas, Trump and Biden will be five hours apart in areas seeing different numbers of migrants. Eagle Pass, where Trump is going, has seen over 2,000 migrants in recent days. Brownsville, where Biden is going, far fewer, just 46. Fox's Lucas Tomlinson, President Biden will be making remarks urging Congress to pass a border security bill. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 731 at News Radio 923. It's 53 degrees, mostly cloudy still in Pensacola today. A Florida-based attorney says a former Escambia County employee likely committed an ethics violation in connection to the text messages belonging to Commissioner Jeff Bergash. Recommendation was issued last month by Elizabeth Miller from the office of the Florida Attorney General. She reviewed an ethics complaint filed against Jonathan Owens by Commissioner Bergash. Miller recommends that the Florida Commission on Ethics find probable cause that Owens violated Florida statute in obtaining those messages. The commission will be holding a hearing on the issue on March 8th. Testimony in the high-profile case involving the Escambia commissioners and clerk of court Pam Childers has now wrapped up. A judge is expected to issue a ruling in the next two weeks. While testimony was expected to last through today, it finished early on Tuesday. Much of that came from Escambia County attorney Allison Rogers. I don't remember if the board specifically asked me to go back to FRS, but I did um, as part of the board wanting to make sure that we were on solid ground. I specifically remember Commissioner Bergosh asking whether these things were legal and that sort of thing. So, According to the News Journal, attorneys on both sides are submitting written closing arguments to the judge. The county sued Childers back in 2021 after she started withholding payments to retirement accounts belonging to Commissioner Stephen Barry, Robert Bender, and Lumen May on the basis of believing them to be illegal. Marco Rubio says he wants Pfizer to clarify its stance on assisted suicide. Rubio said yesterday that he and several colleagues sent Pfizer a letter about its financial assistance to Dying with Dignity Canada. Rubio says the organization has pushed to expand the eligibility for medically assisted suicide to kids as young as 12. Rubio says he's concerned that Pfizer could be complicit in prematurely ending lives. An elementary school in Fairhope has closed the rest of the week after a reported virus outbreak. WKRG reports that over 770 students were absent yesterday from Fairhope West Elementary. Uh, Officials at the Alabama Department of Public Health say that it is due to a gastrointestinal outbreak. Most common symptoms have been nausea and vomiting. Uh, And again, WKRG reporting only 201 students were on campus Wednesday out of nearly 1,000 students that normally attend the school. 
Well, Florida's House Speaker says he's trying to find an alternative to a ban on social media for minors. Paul Renner yesterday said he was working with Governor DeSantis to get something done by the end of the week. HB1 bans anybody 16 or under from using most social media sites. That did pass both the Florida House and Senate. All it needs now is Governor DeSantis' signature, although he appears reluctant to sign it. The governor has until tomorrow to either sign it, veto it, or let it become law without his signature. It is 7.35 at News Radio 92.3, and Jake has a look at our traffic on the fives. All right, we're looking great on our roadways this morning. Not seeing any accidents reported by FHP at the moment and no major slowdowns to tell you about. Seeing our normal morning slowdowns in Tiger Point uh, headed westbound at that light at Avalon Garcon. Um, Highway 29 is looking great through Inslee and Cantonment. Uh, if you're on Highway 90 this morning, coming out of Milton through Pace, not seeing any slowdowns there. Chase Street, Gregory Street, Garden Street, Palafox, all checking in clear. If you do see anything out there slowing you down on our roadways, let me know on our traffic tip line. Call or text 437-1620. I'm Jake Walker with your traffic on the fives. Thank you very much, Jake. Now our Channel 3 weather forecast. We will see a mostly cloudy day today with temperatures warming near 62 degrees for your high. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 56 degrees. As you go into Friday, showers and thunderstorms likely through the morning and afternoon hours. High near 67 on Friday. Friday night, temperatures dropping near 60 degrees. Some showers possible through the Friday night hours and into your Saturday morning. High on Saturday near 74. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. 53 in Pensacola, 52 in Gulf Breeze, also 52 in Milton. Your next news at 8 o'clock. Breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne for News Radio 92.3. I'm Nicole Murray with Your Money Now. Data says the entry barriers to be among the top 1% richest in each country has been getting tougher amid a boost in wealth creation. This is largely fueled by a robust performance of the U.S. economy and a rebound in the equity markets. At the number one spot is Monaco, which requires nearly $13 million to be among the top 1%. In second, Luxembourg, which requires nearly $11 million. The United States ranked fourth, requiring just over $5.8 million. Electronic Arts has announced it will cut 5% of its workforce or nearly 670 jobs as part of a plan that includes reducing office space and ending work on some video games. The company said it is working to streamline company operations to deliver deeper, more connected experiences for fans everywhere. Previously, Electronic Arts CEO Andrew Wilson said the company would focus on its popular games such as The Sims and Battlefield. Futures are slightly lower. That's your money now. This is Pastor Carl Gallops of the Hickory Hammock Baptist Church here in Milton. If you're looking for a church family that is truly amazing, let me invite you to come and worship with us this Sunday. Here's what you'll find. A church whose doors are open to all people wishing to worship and serve the Lord. You'll find a church where the exaltation of Jesus and the accurate preaching and teaching of the contextual Word of God is the centerpiece. You'll find a consistently solid, peaceful, and friendly family of multiplied hundreds of people. You'll find dynamic, spirit-filled worship services, youth ministries, children's ministries, senior adult ministries, men and women's ministries, praise teams, choirs, ensembles, and drama ministries. Plenty of opportunity for Bible study and guidance for your Christian life. In other words, when you and your family get up on Sunday mornings from now on, you'll say, oh good, it's time to go to church. For directions and worship service times, look us up in the phone book or call the church office at 623-8959 or visit us on the web at www.hickoryhammockbaptist.org. And then we'll see you Sunday.
Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. News Radio Pensacola. Your home for informative, local, and dependable news and talk. Start your mornings off with the award-winning Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay. Followed by the Pensacola Expert Panel with Jake. Then get informed and laugh from 11 till 2 with Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Followed by the Guy Benson Show. Your afternoon drive is anchored by Pensacola Right Now with Joe and Austin. Followed by Dave Ramsey. It's News Radio Pensacola. Heard on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. September of 2020, I sent a text to Senator Broxson. Uh, it was mid-September, and I asked him if he had made it through the storm okay. Raise your hand if you're one of Senator Broxson's grandkids. And I asked your grandfather, I said, did you guys make it through the storm okay? And he said, I lost a pier, I lost four cars, and a whole bunch of stuff, but none of it matters because my family is safe. These little... Things that we have, these going aways, they're kind of like eulogies. <laughs> and I don't get any appropriations anyway, so I can speak very candidly. <laughs> this Jason Pizzo is one of my favorite Democrats in the Senate in Tallahassee. And uh, talking about outgoing, termed out Senator Doug Broxson, right? And I just want to tell you, I, I listened to not all of this yesterday. I was listening more for Doug's speech, which I'll give you some of that in a second. But the appreciation and praise for Senator Broxson in the Senate was um, heartfelt and overwhelming from all corners for him as a person of integrity and honesty and sincerity and principle. And I mean, it was, and as the joke there is like, you know um, you know, I'm not, I'm not here for it. Cause he's in chair of appropriations. He's like, I don't need any money. So you, I can say what I want to. Dad only made it to this place once before he passed his dad. And he looked at you that day and he goes, that guy is from Central Casting. <laughs> and you see it when we watch the video. If you draw yourself a picture or an idea or an identity, and I look around and I think about it, I see Geraldine Thompson just looking like a stateswoman. And I see you. And if I had to cast somebody in a movie who had the, the, conveying, the ability to convey integrity and principle, maybe we don't agree, and philosophy and ideology, but based and premised on information and just being a good person, you're it. My dad was right. You are from Central Casting for the Florida Senate. Um, you're a gentleman. And I, I love this story that he told about Senator Broxton that I'm sure Senator Broxton didn't know about or, or didn't know that it would have gotten back to him. And you don't know this, but you were back in your district at an informal social gathering and within an earshot of an FSU political science professor. And he was asking you about your many years of service and the people that you've seen and the things that you've experienced and the, and the struggles and sacrifices and all that stuff. 
And he said, um, wow, you've had an amazing career. Who did you emulate after? Who did you, you know, who was your mentor? Who are you menteeing? And you said, if you want a lesson in preparation and argument, you should watch Senator Pizzo. You didn't have to say that. And that was not the company or the geography that that would be popular to say. To praise a Democrat here at home, right? But well-deserved. Jason Pizzo is prepared and thoughtful and articulate and feisty and a very, very good senator, regardless of agreement, regardless of you know what views or politics you care about. So he, again, it, the praise from all corners yesterday, and this is the last clip from uh, Senator Pizzo before I get to the, the clips from uh, Senator Broxson, but um, I would love to be able to live my life in such a way that the people who disagree with me almost across the board on the things I believe in nevertheless would talk about me this way especially to my kids, I mean, this is quite an accomplishment for Senator Broxson on a career in government. So I find myself more and more wanting to say this to a few of you. It's to look at your family. Your grandfather has led an incredible life of service. Incredible. But he's already done it. So, so long as this recording is saved for posterity's sake, you should know that your grandfather was incredibly cool, incredibly important, and an absolute gentleman. And if any one of you, it's not even fair, any one of you are able to achieve and to maintain his integrity and character, you will have been an incredible success to your family and make him very proud. Thank you, sir. All right. So that was and that's just a a taste. I mean, all the senators were saying basically the same kind of thing, that they love him. They'll miss him. He's a gentleman. He's honorable when they disagree and all of that. He's fair. Um, so then, of course, Senator Broxson gets up. And he talked for quite some time. I'm not going to play you all of it. I might share a little bit more of this tomorrow. But it was very touching. And it started off as appropriate, with a little bit of comedy. It's amazing what people will say before the appropriations comes out. <laughs> and, by the way, I've noted the ones that said nothing. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and make an announcement. The number one question when you're terming out, and I'll guarantee you everyone here will say the same thing. What are you going to do when you leave? Well, I've decided that in 2032, I'll be 83 years old, and I'm going to run for the President of the United States. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So things you might not have known uh, about Senator Broxson is that he doesn't talk a lot in public unless you make him do it. You say, well, why is that? I'll tell you why in just a second. Jake's got, oh, I caught you mid coffee. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and I got down to the bottom of the cup where the oh, grounds where the, the, are. The, 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 the extra bits? Yeah, I'm chewing my coffee right that's, now. Hey, that's oh. the good stuff. <clears throat> that's yeah. like a chocolate-covered coffee bean is what that is. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, good, good way to put that. All right, we're looking great on our roadways out there. Not really seeing any major slowdowns. No accidents reported by FHP at the moment. On Highway 29 South, getting out of Cantonment through Inslee, we're seeing our normal morning slowdown there. It's starting to get a little bit backed up. And uh, getting through Tiger Point on Highway 98 westbound, we're seeing our normal morning slowdown there at that light at Avalon Garcon Point. Other than that, we're looking great. If you see anything out there slowing you down, you can always call or text our traffic tip line. That number is 437-1620. I'm Jake Walker with your traffic on the fives. Thanks so much, Jake. Back to uh, Senator Doug Broxson during his send-off farewell kind of speech-making yesterday, talking about why he doesn't like to speak much in public. 
Someone asked me one time why I don't speak more on the floor, and I'm going to be very transparent with you. It's funny, but it's true, that until age 11, I was severely tongue-tied. I was so much tongue-tied that my teachers misinterpreted it for being a special needs person. Maybe they didn't misinterpret it, but uh, (laughs) I had not only a speech impediment, but I had at least two of the four Ds. Uh, You may not know what they are, but if you, if they're dyslexia, dysgraphia, uh, dyscalculia, which is math, and one more I can't remember. <laughs> they call that being Joe Biden. Um, no, but ta- but I appreciate that kind of on and the tr- the struggles and difficulties. Plus, you got to think, you know, decades ago, how any kind of learning disabilities were all classified as you've got serious mental issues, right? They didn't know the difference, didn't know how to handle it, didn't recognize that you could be a really sharp person with a particular impediment, right? They didn't make those distinctions back in the day, so what'd they do with them? In fact, when I was in the fifth grade, my mother did not know that I was in a special class, and we had a little skit that the school put on, and she, I invited her, and she came and saw people that really did not look like me or act like me, and she was totally outraged and she ran to the stage she grabbed me and took me home and said never get up there again that was my mother you'd have to know her she had me when she was 46 and uh, I was the last of 11 children and she was an incredible woman but she was very protective of her children and the reason I don't speak is I'm afraid I'm gonna have a relapse and go into my tongue-tied condition at some point, which ha- hasn't happened yet, and hopefully it doesn't happen today. Now, here's what's fascinating to me is he's giving us this preparatory remarks about why he doesn't like to speak in public, and then he goes on to tell these just amazing stories, uh, not stories that are related to being in politics, but stories that just kind of you know help you understand who he is, where he came from. And I'm just going to play one day. It's a little bit long. It's almost three minutes long. But it's, trust me, this is worth it. This is... <laughs> I had not heard this story. And uh, now you will. I always had a great pitching arm. But I was not allowed to pitch. I could throw in the mid-90s. But my high school coach was fearful that I would hurt someone. Because I absolutely had no control. My third year in college... Thank you... Chair Leak and Alex Andre for being here. God bless you, Thad. Thank you, sir. Uh, Sheriff Johnson is here and D.C. Reeves from Pensacola. He's a mayor. But my junior year in, in college, I was out throwing in the gym. It was in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, I was throwing some pitches to the catcher. Of course, I was no place. They were there all over the place, throw up around the goal or through the backstop or whatever. But someone set a mannequin up like a batter. And I found that if I threw at that mannequin and threw a little bit to the, to the left, I could throw a strike. I couldn't throw the catcher, but because I had this condition, I would throw at the batter, move over, and I'd throw a strike. And I could throw strike after strike, left-handed, right-handed, didn't matter. 
we were playing a, a team in, in North Missouri. I was having a phenomenal game, except they had just let the football team come the best players and be on the baseball team. And they had about a six foot five, 240 pound giant of a man that wanted to look at some pitches. What he didn't know, he didn't know my system. So what he did is, if you've played baseball, there are people that lean over the plate. The first time up, he leaned over the plate. I hit him in the back of the head. <laughs> Still pitching great for the whole game. Second time up, hit him in the back of the head again. He kind of waved his bat at me. Why I was allowed to stay in the game? Only because I was throwing strikes to everyone else. The third time up, I hit him in the back of the head again. <laughs> he ran me out in the outfield with his bat. For whatever reason, the umpire let me stay in the game. He was on first base. He got off too far. I made a pickoff move. I hit him in the back of the head again. <laughs> I, 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 frankly, I'm... I'm been graduated for a long time, but I do not know why I'm not in the Hall of Fame, because no one will ever do that again. But they escorted me, the police came, and there was kind of a riot on the field. And oh, yeah, by the way. They put me in a bus, and I sat there for three hours, because that was the first game of a doubleheader. That actually happened. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. It's just such a great example of, you know, when somebody is kind of, you know, given the opportunity to transcend the impediment that you think is going to define their whole life. I don't know. It's just is neat. And I'll probably share some more of this tomorrow because it's pretty touching. I mean, obviously, he cried talking about his wife and his mother-in-law and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And the story about how he got started in politics and what made him decide to run is actually very, very fascinating. But we don't have time for that today, but, you know, tomorrow. I'll share a little bit of this with you tomorrow because, uh, you know, again, term limited out. Uh, and he's still got to be there for another week and a half, you know, while they finish up session. But this is kind of how they do things while they're still in session. Uh, they go through these kind of send-off farewell. Uh, as I like Pizzo said, it's kind of like eulogies, right? Sometimes self-eulogies in a way. 752 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. Hey, Dave Ramsey here. For almost a decade, I've been telling you about my friends at Frontier Motors in Pensacola. The biggest reason is they help my listeners save thousands of dollars when purchasing a slightly used car over a brand new one. Consumer Reports says the average new car depreciates a whopping $9,200 in the first year alone. That's crazy. So if you're thinking new, don't. Go see Frontier Motors and see how much they can save you on a current year car with very low miles. And if your goal is to get out of debt, bring Frontier Motors your car and they can write you a check on the spot. Frontier Motors can also do consignments and they don't charge a fee or a commission. Frontier Motors have been helping the people in the Pensacola area for 21 years. They are the go-to dealer for free advice when it comes to buying or selling a car. Please go see my friends at Frontier Motors. And don't forget to tell them Dave Ramsey sent you. Hello, this is Mary with Howard Young Flooring. Shopping for flooring can be a little overwhelming. At Howard Young Flooring, we are here to help you any way we can and answer any questions you may have so that you can make knowledgeable decisions. We understand the importance of each and every customer and would like to thank you for allowing us into your homes. For those we have not met, we hope to see you soon. Visit us today at 4333 Avalon Boulevard in Milton. We look forward to covering your future. 
Get news at the top and bottom of every hour with WEAR-TV, our local news team, and Fox News on News Radio Pensacola. We're almost out of time, so I will instead ask each candidate to sum up in a single word the best argument for his candidacy. Governor Bush? Strategery. Morning, 755 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. Jake has got our traffic on the fives. Jake? All right, we're not looking too bad out there this morning, though. If you're on Highway 29 getting out of uh, Cantonment through Inslee, uh, seeing some good good morning slowdown there. Uh, Not too bad, though, but uh, a little bit of slowdown. Also, Highway 98 westbound getting through Tiger Point, a little bit slow there. Otherwise, around town, we're looking great. I-10 and I-110 are at posted speeds. Zooming in on the map here, though, I am now seeing uh, this is going to be on, come on, give me the road name, East Olive Road, uh, headed eastbound, and that's going to be right as you're going by uh, Cody Lane, and uh, that's going to be between Cody and Whitmire. Very, very slow traffic there, not seeing an accident reported just yet, but uh, if you're getting by HCA Florida West Hospital in that area, it's going to be a little bit of slow getting through there. If you see anything else out there slowing you down, let me know. 437-1620, call or text. I'm Jake Walker with your traffic on the five. Thanks so much, Jake. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? President Biden's headed to the Texas border today. He'll be in Brownsville meeting with local leaders like County Judge Eddie Trevino. We'll hopefully get the opportunity to mention some of the needs that we have down here with regards to the infrastructure, our, our, our ports of entry. And uh, he says that the ports need to be a key part of the debate when it comes to border security because a lot of illegal drugs are entering the country there. Meanwhile, former President Trump will be in Eagle Pass today. Four people have been arrested, over 50 guns seized after California police raided clubhouses used by the Hells Angels. Uh, there were two raids yesterday, and local law enforcement there says uh, they were serving search warrants in, uh, in connection with violence involving outlaw motorcycle gangs uh, over the last year. They say they found 50 guns, silencers, ammunition, controlled substances, and bomb-making materials. At a Hell's Angels clubhouse? No, stop. Unbelievable, right? I could never uh, predict that. And stand-up comedian and actor Richard Lewis has died. Richard Lewis is dead at age 76. The Brooklyn-born actor and stand-up comic passed away at his home in Los Angeles after suffering a heart attack. Lewis, who played a fictionalized version version of himself on HBO's Curb Your Enthusiasm, first got his start in the New York and Los Angeles comedy scenes in the 1970s, coming up with comedians including Andy Kaufman and Richard Belzer, and himself becoming a late-night show favorite. He revealed that he'd been living with Parkinson's disease last year. Steve Greenfield, NBC News Radio, New York. Andy Kaufman, George Carlin. I mean, that's wow. <laughs> I didn't realize there were all those connections with yeah, him. So no, yeah, no, for that's... sure. Uh, David, thanks so much for the update. 757 here on News Radio 923. Um, President Trump is now going to get his immunity. Um, I'll just say it nonsense. <laughs> it really is. It's a nonsense claim that he wants to make that uh, he has immunity from any prosecution for any criminal act as long as he is acting as the president and not a civil liability. Um, this got unanimously rejected and it's going to get unanimously rejected by the Supreme Court. The real question then is going to be the timeliness of that in coordination with the lawsuit over election interference. 
which is what this is ultimately going to be about, right? The other stuff is all, you know, civil liability. Uh, I think it's all civil. I have to think through all the cases. Anyway, uh, but this is the one, you know, particularly that's about election interference and whether that constitutes a crime. And, you know, can he be held liable for that act while he was president? And the answer is yes. And, I again, good for the Supreme Court for hearing it. They do need to make a ruling about this, and the ruling is going to be yes. Now, meanwhile, uh, other woes for President Trump are going to be um, – and, and by the way, I'm not saying whether he's guilty or not. I'm just saying – he can be held guilty. <laughs> That's definitely true. Uh, and again, it's just it's a bizarre claim to make, but he makes a lot of bizarre claims and some good ones. Uh, the judge has now ordered uh, Trump off the Illinois primary ballot, but the ruling is stayed pending uh, because this is another case, right, that is going to be uh, decided by the Supreme Court. And um, I think if that one is going to go the other way, I think that is going to go in his favor. I think of the, these efforts to kick him off the ballot are not going to hold up for a variety of sometimes particularly technical reasons having to do with the exact language of the 14th Amendment. Um, but, yeah, another state now, the third one, uh, to, to move in this direction to try to exclude him from the ballot. And remember, all of these arguments about, well, it's not fair to take away somebody you want to vote for. That's not the issue. Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.